We're um, continuing on in our Bible Institute time. Uh, we, our Bible Institute is um, it grows every week. Uh, there's 800, and, I think there was 830 students this morning uh, from all over the world. Um, they add every week. It's a it's a great little thing. Our Bible Institute. I think you can earn an associate's degree or a bachelor's degree, and it's all free. Uh, there's 115, 16, 17 courses on there now, and um, you can take them at your own pace. So you can go much faster if you want. You can go slower if you want. You can just take courses. You don't even have to be applying them to anything if you don't want, but they're there. Um, this evening's course also is a new course that we just started. We're five weeks in. Um, each, each one of these courses, this, it's going to break the Old Testament into three chunks. So uh, this will have 12, 13, 14 lessons in it, something like that, and so will the next two, and that will get us through the Old Testament. Uh, so each one counts as a course. 20 courses gets you an associate's degree. 40 courses gets you a bachelor's degree. And you can also use uh, the Sunday morning uh, messages as part of the degree uh, or just to take those courses if you want. And I'm going to start very soon a new online group because there's some things that I want to teach that I just don't have time to work in anywhere else. And so I'm going to do a course on the spiritual disciplines. And we're going to run that like an online group. And so I'll be adding that every week. And you'll have opportunities to, to use the forum and comment. And you can count that as a course as well here at the Bible Institute. So we're trying to find lots of ways to uh, be a service to the kingdom. So we, um, we did most of Numbers last week. But I wanted to go over a chunk of uh, a, a passage in Numbers again that's really important. And I didn't get a chance to cover it last week. So we're going to go back to Numbers 20 and talk a little bit about what's going on there, and then we'll pop into Deuteronomy here. And if I don't run out of time, I might even introduce Joshua uh, and what's going on here. But, but um, we'll see what happens in that process. So uh, Numbers 20, verse 5 through 13, and, and here we have some complaining going on, which isn't unusual for the people of Israel this time. But th- this is their problem. Now, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs, grapevines, or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. Moses and Aaron went from the assembly to the entrance uh, to the tent of meeting and fell face down. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses, Take the staff, and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together. Speak to that rock before their eyes, and it will pour out its water. You will bring water out of the rock for the community so they and their livestock can drink. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence, just as he commanded him. He and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock. And Moses said to them, listen, you rebels. Actually, that's a fascinating word in the the original language. It's actually more like, listen, you morons. Seriously. Go and look it up. That's the word. (laughs) So you need to know with what happens next. Moses was not in a good place. These people have been complaining forever. And he's, he's just over it. And God has provided and provided and provided and provided and provided. And they're complaining. We had it better in Egypt. Which is one of the things we have to watch. When, see, when we've been rescued, which when we come to Christ, we're rescued. That's our exodus. When we come to Christ, we're rescued. We're delivered from our um, slavery to sin and bondage. And yet, crafty enemy that exists, he, he will often try and make us think that we, it was used to be better than it is now. And that's what keeps happening to the people. They've forgotten... The, the, the horrible uh, enforced labor and conditions they were under, and they only remember bits and pieces um, that, that they're saying. Like the, and so the food was better, apparently, but to, and they're constantly complaining. So 
Moses says, listen, you rebels. We'll keep it that way, cause, but it really is morons. Must we bring you water out of this rock? It's setting up for another problem there because Moses can't bring water out of a rock. Who can? God can. So you see, and Moses is a good dude. Don't get me wrong. He's, you know, but even Moses can be pushed. Then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff, and water gushed out, and the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust me, uh, trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land I give them. Um, these were the waters of Meribah, where the Israelites quarreled with the Lord, and where he showed himself holy among them. So Moses' action... Um, it's going to keep him from going into the promised land, leading the people in the promised land. It's a pretty significant consequence, and you may not catch what happened there and what the problem was, but there was a problem. And, and you need to know that in the New Testament, Paul lets us know something that's important, is that that rock is a type of Christ. Uh, and so the, the command of the Lord in this case was that Moses was to speak to the rock. That was what he was supposed to do. He was supposed to speak to the rock. So um, I read that to you. So that's what's happening. And instead of speaking to the rock, he strikes it with his staff. Um, it says there he struck it twice. But let me, here's what I think is very interesting. So earlier in Exodus, back in Exodus, the Lord instructed Moses to strike the rock to produce water. Back in Exodus 17, 16, 17, 6, behold... I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you will strike the rock, and water will come out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So back in Exodus 17, Moses obeys God by striking the rock. But in Numbers 20, Moses disobeys God by striking the rock instead of speaking to it. And so the incident in Numbers 20 was the second time Moses struck the rock. The, the first time he struck the rock was back in Exodus 17 when he was instructed to do that. But the second time, he was told not to do it. So, so why is that happening? What's going on? Why was that a big deal for Moses in the process? Well, when you, when you understand what the picture was, remember the Scripture is filled with these pictures and illustrations that God gives us, so we, we have an understanding of what's going on as we see it start happening and being fulfilled in front of us. So as I said, in the New Testament, um, uh, Paul lets us know that that rock in the desert was to be a picture of Jesus and what was going to happen. Let me read you 1 Corinthians 10, 1. For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they were drinking from a spiritual walk, rock which followed them, and the rock was Christ. So when the, when the Lord instructs Moses to strike the rock back in Exodus 17, uh, he's, he's establishing a picture of Christ as our Redeemer. In the Old Testament, particularly in, in Psalms and Isaiah, um, we know that, that Christ is our rock, our cornerstone. Uh, and, and He's struck or He's killed for our sake. And, and He will bring forth streams of living water, salvation. Uh, and Hebrews, in Hebrews we know that, that it says that Christ died um, once for all and that no further sacrifice for sin is required. So the picture back in Exodus 17 when Moses strikes the rock is a picture of Jesus who will be, he, he will be struck, killed for our sins, um, but, but one time. He sacrificed once to bring us salvation. 
In Numbers 20, the Lord tells Moses to speak to the rock so it preserves the picture that's been created in Exodus 17. And so when Moses chooses to strike the rock a second time, it disrupts this picture. And that's why it has to be dealt with in the way that it was. Um, Because he couldn't just let it go. Or else it might set up the picture that Jesus would have to die many times for our sins. But see, Jesus only had to die once. It was the perfect sacrifice for our sin and what was happening. And so, so God gives this consequence to Moses so that we understand that the picture was there of Jesus, the, our rock, being, he takes it for us one time there on the cross, and that's enough, that's sufficient for everything. And so he didn't want another picture to come up. So there's this big consequence that's in place. And also, there, there's something very interesting happens. Another thing that happens because of that, um, because Moses isn't allowed into the promised land, it's an illustration that, that we can't enter the promised land and effect salvation by the works of law, because Moses represents a law. The only way into the promised land is by Jesus. And, and guess what Joshua means in Hebrew? Jesus. It's his name, Yeshua. It's right there. It's a picture that you can't, you can't make it in by the law. You can only make it in by following Jesus. See, and that's this amazing picture there in the Old Testament that we need to see. And, and so that's why that's set up and why it's a big deal and why you need to know that. It's a picture. So he was told to strike the rock once, back in Exodus 17, told to speak to it the second time, and he strikes it again. And, and uh, there's the issue. This is the picture up. So the consequence is in place so that the picture's not bothered. And now you have another picture that the only way into the promised land, salvation for us, it's not by the law. It's by following Jesus. It's only by Jesus that we can get there. And so those pictures are set up. But, but just so you know, another cool thing because of the grace of God, aren't you happy about God's grace? I'm happy. Um, Moses actually gets to see the promised land. Well, before he dies, he gets a look at it, but he can't go there. But he actually has this entrance into the promised land. There's a point. And if you never caught it, it's in Matthew 17, verses 1 through 3. After six days... Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And there he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as the light. And Jesus then appeared before, just then, there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. So Moses does make it into the promised land there. Um, which I, to me is a picture of the grace of God. Because there's consequence, um, but there's grace. And I'm happy about that. Because I, I certainly have felt that same way uh, about life, where Moses, he was just frustrated with people complaining, him, and that's why he said, you bunch of morons, <laughs> which is funny. So, uh, that's that part, and I wanted to make sure you knew that important picture in Numbers before we went on into Deuteronomy. So, uh, Deuteronomy, um, oh, and... Y- y- you know, people, a fact about the scripture, just before we go in. Yeah, most of you, have you ever heard of the Dead Sea Scrolls? 1947, the Dead Sea Scrolls were recovered. And they contain fragments of scripture that date back to 150 B.C. And when compared to the oldest Hebrew text we have, that would be somewhere around 850, a full text, 950, they were almost, uh, they were amazingly accurate. Which is a picture of how the word has been maintained for us. Throughout time. It's a God thing. So, 
uh, as we read through these things, you need to know that the Bible is, is uh, it's an amazing book. It's more than a book. It's supernatural, and God has preserved it for us uh, in, in just amazing ways. So we move into Deuteronomy, and Deuteronomy really sort of recounts the events of the Exodus, uh, and it's going to lead us right up to the doorstep. Moses will die uh, in approximately 1406. So he's, um, he's east of the Jordan, so he's in the Transjordan when he dies, Deuteronomy 34, 5. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in Moab, as the Lord had said. So the people of Israel are preparing to occupy the promised land at this point. And there's, there's uh, two purposes to this occupation. One is to fulfill the promise back to Abraham, way back with the covenant that we read about in Genesis uh, 12, 13, Genesis 12, 13, 14, 15. And they were also to drive out the wicked inhabitants from the land. That was the second thing. So the, the people that inhabited the promised land at this time were involved in horrific, wicked, demonic, occult practices throughout the promised land. They, they worshipped Baal. Their worship included cult prostitution, human sacrifice, child sacrifice, uh, the entire worship system they had revolved around fertility. And so these were, were wicked folks, demonic, occult-practicing people that were inhabiting the promised land. You, you need to know that because um, some people think, well, how could God go in and do what he's going to have done to these folks? But you need to know that they were, they were off like they were at the time of the flood. They had just completely gone off. And, and evil was, was the, everywhere. You know, the enemy was just loosed, and they were everywhere in the process. So um, Israel was going to become a nation, as God had said. Uh, three things that a nation requires are people. They had that. Constitution. They had that. That's the Ten Commandments. And then land, which is promised to them, but they didn't have it yet. So they were going to go and get it. So... I, I, don't, I, I like the idea of thinking of the Ten Commandments as a constitution. Just remember, where people get messed up with the Ten Commandments is the Ten Commandments were given after the people were delivered. They'd already been rescued. It's already the picture of, in effect, being saved. They'd already been saved. And the Ten Commandments then weren't how they were, how they were supposed to be in order to be saved. They'd already been saved or rescued. They'd already been rescued. The Ten Commandments were... were God's way of saying, this is, this is how you're supposed to live. And so, even though we call it the law, when we think about law, it takes on a different effect, an impact on us. It it's, it's, wasn't a law thing, it was a love thing. See, when you look at the Ten Commandments, it's about, this is, if, you're, if you're filled with the love of God, this is the love that should come out of you. You should love God all in. Heart, mind, soul, and strength. And, and you should love your neighbors, you love yourself. Remember, Jesus is going to boil down the commandments for those to that. And, and so all of the commandments, when you read them, like if you love people, you won't steal their stuff and you won't take advantage of them and you, and you won't you know, covet the things that they have. You just won't because you love them. You don't want to do those things. Um, you know, if you love God, you won't have any issue with putting other gods first or doing those other things. See, that it's a love thing and, and that's what it was meant to be. So, you know, in effect, their, their constitution was, was this love covenant that they had with God and how they were supposed to treat one another. They don't. It falls apart, but but you need to understand that's the picture. And, and you know, the Ten Commandments, I would say that it's, and we're going to be looking at this on Sunday mornings. It's going to weave its way into our next series. But um, 
Those Ten Commandments, the first three are about loving God, and the last six are about loving our neighbors, and number four, Sabbath, is about loving ourselves. And, and so the, the, the whole thing is a love thing, and yet we, we tend to quickly move it into something else. Because a love thing means it's a relationship that has to be, we have to cultivate this relationship with God. It requires us to, to cultivate, to spend time, to, to understand how amazing it is. And yet, because of the way that we are, we often will settle for, just tell me what the rules are and I'll do that. But there's no life in that. And it, it doesn't make us kingdom representatives. It, it's mean and critical. And so the people kept going back to those things and we have to be careful of it. So... As we move through Deuteronomy, like I said, they'll recount the Exodus. And then in Deuteronomy 11, there's a warning to the people, verses 16 and 17. Be careful or you'll be enticed to turn away and worship other gods and bow down to them. Then the Lord's anger will burn against you and he will shut the heavens so that you will not rain, so that it will not rain and the ground will yield no produce. And you will soon perish from the good land the Lord is giving you. So, so they, were, they were about to come into this land, but he's saying, listen, it's filled with these false idols and false worship and demonic activities, and, and so you need to be careful so that you're not enticed by any of them and drawn away from the one true God. Unfortunately, we know that they're going to be because they, they just don't do what they're supposed to do on, on this process. They fall far short of obeying God. They, they kind of partially obey Him but not completely obey Him. And, but can you relate to that? I think that's, that, that's why we need Jesus so bad, because that's kind of where most of us are. I have a thing around here where I'm always telling the folks that are with me to finish their circles. And, uh, and, and by that I mean, if you start something, finish it. All the way finished. And, and, and finishing it means you actually, you know, if you took tools or anything out, you put them back. Where they, That's finished. You clean up your mess. You completely finish your circle. Um, because most of us don't finish circles. We get 90% done. 80% done, depending on where we're at. 50% is even worse. But 50% is almost easier to deal with than 90%, 95%. Because, oh, you're like, you're so close. Just finish your circle. Just, just a little bit more. Well, the people of Israel, they, they kind of do it, but they won't finish their circles. They get close and don't do everything that they're supposed to do. And, and it causes them huge problems. So we, we continue on, and they're getting ready to, to move into this land. And so they, they have this sort of um, military manual in Deuteronomy 20, if you want, because they're about to go to war for the occupation of the land. And, and there's two different things that happen. So, so there's some cities that are... That are distant from um, the promised land and they're, they're not as deeply involved in this horrific occultic practice of worshipping Baal. So that these folks that are a little farther off aren't caught up into that. And so they, they're treated differently than what happens when they get there. Verse 10, when you, when you march up to attack a city, make its people an offer of peace. If they accept and open their gates, all the people in it shall be subject to forced labor and shall work for you. If they refuse to make peace and they engage you in battle, lay siege to that city. And when the Lord your God delivers it into your hand, put to the sword all the men in it. As for the women, the children, the livestock, and everything else in the city, you may take these as plunder for yourselves. And you may use the plunder the Lord your God gives you from your enemies. This is how you are to treat all the cities that are a distance from you and do not belong to the nations nearby. So that's... 
That's one strategy that they have. This is how they're going to deal with the cities that aren't corrupt as the ones that they're going to. But the, the Baal worshippers, Deuteronomy 20, 16 through 18. However, in the cities of the nations, the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. Do not leave alive anything that breathes. Completely destroy them. The Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, as the Lord your God has commanded you. Otherwise, they will teach you to follow all the detestable things they do in worshiping their gods, and you will sin against the Lord your God. So it was because of the wickedness of these people that the, the um, consequence, in effect, the way they were being dealt with was so severe. So you see there's differences in this, in this area, but, but the people were there. And the problem was if they don't get rid of them, they're going to be swayed to follow false gods. And, and unfortunately, what happens is they don't finish the job. They do it partially at times. And at other times, they don't do it even partially. They, and, and what they end up with is they enter in the promised land, and instead of it being able to be everything that it should be, it's much less because they leave all sorts of people and stuff around. And they, they turn to false god worship in, in amazingly quick, uh, just almost right away. And... and uh, the, the other issue that happens is, as the, the people are dying out, um, the, the newer folks don't have the same history with God. And so, par- partly because they're not being taught the way they need to be taught. So God's going to make an issue here in a moment. He's going to say, you, you have to teach your children the things that God has given you, and it has to go from generation to generation to generation, or they'll forget. And that's one of those things that happens... Um, even, you know, in the church, uh, that's why we have to train up our children. That's why they have to be taught. They have to remember the things of the Lord. Because if you don't teach your kids and then they don't teach their kids, it's really difficult from, from that point in time. So it has to be something that we were teaching our children. Deuteronomy 31, 16. And the Lord said to Moses, you're going to rest with your fathers and these people will soon prostitute themselves to the foreign gods of the land they are entering. They will forsake me and break the covenant I made with them. On that day, I will become angry with them and forsake them. I will hide my face from them, and they will be destroyed. Many disasters and difficulties will come upon them. And on that day, they will ask, Have not these disasters come upon us because our God is not with us? And I will certainly hide my face on that day because of all their wickedness and turning to other gods. Now write down for yourselves this song and teach it to the Israelites and have them sing it so that it may be a witness for me against them. And when I brought them into the land flowing with milk and honey, the land I promised on oath to their forefathers, and when they eat their fill and thrive, they will turn to other gods and worship them, rejecting me and breaking my covenant. And when many disasters and difficulties come upon them, this song will testify against them, because it will not be forgotten by their descendants. I know what they are disposed to do, even before I bring them into the land I promised them on oath. So Moses wrote down this song that day and taught it, to the Israelites, because future generations forget what God has done. So, so God wants Moses to write a song so that future generations can remember, um, and ultimately so they have hope and repent. See, God's heart is always that people repent and do the right thing. But um, we're, we can be very hard-hearted. So the song of Moses is in Deuteronomy 32. I'll read part of it. It's long. You should read it, though. And, you know, why it's in song is we tend to remember song, right? Song hits us in ways that other things don't. 
So, um, Pastor Billy was talking about that. Sometimes you sing the scriptures. Song, you remember songs. You, I remember lyrics to songs that pop on the radio that I haven't heard for 40 years, and yet the lyrics will start. And it, that's why they do jingles on commercials. How many of you know ridiculously old commercial jingles? Because they, and, and you know, you're like, why is that in my brain? It was a song, and it caught in there. And that's why they do it that way. So, uh, Deuteronomy 32 was a song. And that the people of Israel knew and it would have stayed with them. Uh, Listen, O heavens, verse 1, and I will speak. Hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Let my teaching fall like rain and my words descend like dew. Like showers on new grass, like abundant rain on tender plants. I will proclaim the name of the Lord. O praise the greatness of our God. He is the rock and his works are perfect and his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just as he They have acted corruptly towards him. To their shame, they are no longer his children, but a warped and crooked generation. In this way, you repay the Lord, O foolish and unwise people. Is he not your father, your creator, who made you and formed you? Remember the days of old. Consider the generations long past. Ask your father, and he will tell you. Your elders, and they will explain to you. When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he divided all mankind, he set up boundaries for the peoples according to the number of the sons of Israel. For the Lord's portion is his people, Jacob his allotted inheritance. In a desert land he found him, in a barren and howling waste. He shielded him and cared for him. He guarded him as the apple of his eye, like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, that spreads its wings to catch them, carries them on its pinions. The Lord alone led him. No foreign god was with him. He made him ride on the heights of the land and fed him with the fruit of the fields. He nourished him with honey from the rock and with oil from the flinty crag, with curds and milk from herd and flock, and with fattened lambs and goats, with choice rams of Bashan and the finest kernels of wheat. You drank the foaming blood of the grape. Jeshurun grew fat, kicked, filled with food. He became heavy and sleek. He abandoned the God who made him and rejected the rock, his Savior. They made him jealous with their foreign gods and angered him with their detestable idols. They sacrificed to demons which are not God. Gods they had not known. Gods that recently appeared. Gods your father did not fear. You deserted the rock who fathered you. You forgot the God who gave you your birth. The Lord saw this and rejected them because he was angered by his sons and daughters. I will hide my face from them, he said, and see what their end will be. For they are perverse generation, children who are unfaithful. They made me jealous by what is no God and angered me with their worthless idols. I will make them envious by those who are not a people. I will make them angry by a nation that has no understanding. For a fire has been kindled by my wrath, one that burns to the realm of death below. It will devour the earth and its harvest and set afire the foundations of the mountains. I will heap calamities upon them and spend my arrows against them. I will send wasting famine against them, consuming pestilence and deadly plague. I will send against them fangs of wild beasts and the venom of vipers that glide in the dust. In the street, the sword will make them childless. In their homes, terror will reign. Young men and young women will perish, infants and gray-haired men. I said I would scatter them and blot out their memory from mankind, but I dreaded the taunt of the enemy, lest the adversary misunderstand and say our hand has triumphed. The Lord has not done all this. They are a nation without sense. There is no discernment in them. If only they were wise and would understand this and discern what their end will be. 
How could one man chase a thousand or two put ten thousand to flight unless their rock had sold them, unless the Lord had given them up? For their rock is not like our rock, as even our enemies concede. Their vine comes from the vine of Sodom and from the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are filled with poison and their clusters with bitterness. Their wine is the venom of serpents, the deadly poison of cobras. Have I not kept this in reserve and sealed it in my vaults? It is mine to avenge, I will repay. In due time their foot will slip. Their day of disaster is near and their doom rushes upon them. The Lord will judge his people and have compassion on his servants when he sees their strength is gone and no one is left slave or free. He will say, now, where are their gods? The rock they took refuge in. The gods who ate the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offerings. Let them rise up to help you. Let them give you shelter. See now that I myself am he. There is no God beside me. I put to death and I bring to life. I have wounded and I will heal. And no one can deliver out of my hand. I lift my hand to heaven and declare, Surely as I live forever, when I sharpen my flashing sword and my hand grasp it in judgment, I will take vengeance on my adversaries and repay those who hate me. I will make my arrows drunk with blood while my sword devours flesh. And the blood of the slain and the captives, the heads of the enemy leaders, rejoice, O nations, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants. He will take vengeance on his enemies and make atonement for his land and people. So that was like a number one song back then. <laughs> it's, it's like a really bad country song. <laughs> There's some hope at the end, so it's a good thing. But see, the, the picture, though, is, you know, if, if they had just done what the Lord told them to do, life would be different. And it's a good picture because it's the same thing for us. If, if we'll just live the way he tells us to live, life goes better. It's not a promise that things don't happen. It's just a promise that, that he knows way better than we do. And yet our tendency, just like it's always been, is to do what we want, sometimes instead of what God wants. That's what sin is. That's the issue. And, and almost all of it is... is uh, we get in trouble when our soul's not at rest. And, and see, the way that we put our soul at rest is by making sure our relationship with God is what it needs to be. We, we do it by cultivating relationship. We, we, we spend time in prayer. We spend time in the Word. We, we, we know who He is. And when we know who He is, our soul is at rest. When our soul's not at rest, that's when we go try and fix it with other things. See, as they withdrew from the Lord... It was a soul issue that caused them to be drawn to other things. They were always trying to find something else. When, when the reality was, he's always there for us. He's always the answer. And, and we need to remember that in the process. And so we, we get to the end of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 34. It said, um, it's when we, Moses dies. Moses was 120 years old when he died, yet his eyes were not weak nor his strength gone. It was time for the people to move into the promised land, and he, he wasn't going to go in. So he's done. Uh, at that point. Now, he's going to be with the Lord. We, we see him in the transfiguration. All is well, but he doesn't get to go in. Then Joshua becomes the leader of Israel. They'd set that up. I'm going to come back to Joshua. Let me read you this. It's funny. Verses 1 through 9. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give you to them, to the Israelites. 
I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people, you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. That's a great promise um, for Joshua. And then there's a verse in 17. I just wanted to let you think about this week. Verse 17. This is the people's response to Joshua being put in charge. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. <laughs> Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. And, and uh, so I, I, I let, read it so that you would understand the, why that's funny. They, they were, they were, they didn't, they, they, all they did was complain and whine with Moses the entire time they've been in the day. And when they say, just as we fully obeyed Moses, which means, yeah, you know, we're going to follow you when, you when you're doing what we want. And then we're, we're going to complain horrifically when you're not. And uh, that's what you're going to get. You're going to get more of the same. But it looks like, doesn't it sound good? Just like we did Moses, we're going to do you. And I, I bet Joshua went, no. <laughs> You're going to need to do way better than that. So um, that's enough for today. We'll get into the book of Joshua next week. Great book. Start getting into the promised land. If you're watching my video, thanks for watching. Uh, come and see us when you can. God bless. All right. If you have prayer requests, you can pass them up to me and I'll pray for you. And we'll... Thanks for watching this broadcast from Keys Vineyard Community Church in Big Pine Key, Florida. Be sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. For more information, log on to keysvineyard.com. We'll see you next time.